Hello and welcome to the Total Sucker Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who's spending his last day in Orlando for a little while. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. I'm spending my last day in Orlando for a little while. That's yeah. correct, I guess. I, I don't plan to be back in Orlando anytime soon. I that mean, is there, true. there's no more All-Star Games to come to. There's right? not. And there's not Disney, you won't be visiting the Disney resorts or the Universal resorts. Right? Probably not. Or Probably the Speedboat Museum. Plus I'm Disneyland all the way. Okay, is that the California one? Yes. I'm so, I so often do not know which one is which. I, I, I went to Disneyland when I was like eight years old. That, that is what I have to say about that one. Yeah, I don't know that one either, really. So we are in our hotel room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're waiting to get kicked out. We have just enough time to record a show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're in our bunker. We're hoping no one finds us. Yeah. We're recording this quickly. Yes. <laughs> no housekeeping. No housekeeping, Mm-mm. please. We have uh, a helpful amount of construction in the background, which hopefully is an audible on mic. But if it is, hopefully we've removed it in post-production. Yeah, because we're just that good. If you can't hear it, we're audio geniuses. Exactly. Yeah, if you can, we're not. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to answer listener questions we today. Are. But we're also going to talk... MLS All-Star. This is accurate. Because we were there for the All-Star game um, at Explorer Stadium. Yes, Orlando Mm -hmm. Stadium. MLS All-Stars versus Atletico Madrid. local I think radio reporter Austin was sitting next to us and oh, yeah. help, helpfully informed me of different things like he warned me in advance during the national anthem that when it gets to uh, the part of the national anthem where they say, sing night the entire crowd would yell nights because I guess that's like Central Florida University is the nights and a bunch of that's Orlando what fans. that was yes okay there was that one and there was one more thing oh and he helped helpfully uh, inform me that Exploria which I asked like is that like a travel site he's like no it's, it's a resort a, right it's a timeshare company is it <laughs> yes. really yes Ooh, MLS. <laughs> Do you think MLS could be a bit more judicious in their sponsor choices? Sometimes? I mean, is, is this a listener question? Because if so, it's a I, will, question. I will drag out my answer to just be, yes. <laughs> is that helpful? Is that good? I mean, I, I do. I long for the day where MLS doesn't have to deal with, you know, herbal life, etc. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll put it this way. You and I are, you more than me, I would say, are slightly discerning in the sponsors we take, uh, or more specifically, the sponsors we don't take. I feel like MLS doesn't necessarily have that same level of like, no, this is kind of a bad look for our product. Yeah. So MLS, if you want less money coming yeah. in, hire me. That's why when we were asked to advertise for heroin, Daryl was like, I just don't think that's a good idea. I don't think we should maybe be doing it's that bad one. PR. It's really bad fun, PR. though. Really fun. <laughs> Taylor Rockwell. <laughs> Did not think we would start like this. No. I mean, the Cooligans have had a bad influence that's on what Central Florida has done to me, Daryl. <laughs> All right, let's talk all-star game. Yeah. Atletico won 3-0. Central Florida would be math, but yeah. Looked the best team. By a, <laughs> yes. by a distance, right? The All-Stars were really, really outclassed, as you kind of expect to be when you're a team that's literally never played together before. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that, that definitely does not help. That uh-huh. it's, it's guys who, and you could see it at times, both players not quite being familiar with where they needed to be. Yeah. But there was that moment, I think, in the first half still, yeah, definitely in the first half, when Graham Zussi got dispossessed yet again. And turned and like yelled at Carlos Vela. He had a rough night, right? He did. But he yelled at Carlos Vela to like, you got to drop in. You got to show support. And Carlos Vela gave him a look that from what, like 50 yards away where we were, you could still see the like, come on, man. Like, you know what this is. Like, I'm not not sprinting (laughs) back 20 yards. You of all people should know. You've been in MLS forever. You should know what the All-Star game uh, is about. Did you, I want to say, uh, not this makes me Nostradamus or anything, Mm -hmm. but I kind of saw this coming. Yeah. Because Atletico is such a system team and uh, Diego Simeone is not going to send them out and not Mm -hmm. play the system. And a team with a system against a team who've literally never played together Mm -hmm. before, there's no, it doesn't matter if you've got Zlatan or Rooney or Vela or whoever, the team with the system wins every single time. I, I would actually, I would agree with that and then I would like advance it further further to say that it was kind of the old narrative that often isn't the case, but in this case was that when you play the reserve team, which is what Atleti did, they, started, really did, right? they yeah. started essentially a complete, a complete second uh-huh. string, brought in the first string with like 30 minutes to go. Yeah. But there's and, and then the first string really turned it on. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. But there's that narrative of like, actually, when you bring in like the young reserve players who are trying to prove that they belong and should be in the squad, you're going to get a more dedicated performance than if yeah, you had yeah. started that kind of first 11 who are like, yo, I'm trying not to get hurt. I'm trying not to get into it. Uh-huh. This is preseason. I'm just having fun. It's 100,000 degrees and it's raining. <laughs> but the second string are really going to go for it. And I think you could see that in the goal that when Llorente scores, I mean, they mob him. It's a big celebration yeah. in a way that I don't think was about like, we finally broke through the MLS All-Star resistance. I think it was more so like, yeah, great. This young guy who we've just signed from for what like thirty something million pounds from Real Madrid is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's kind of like probably been working towards first team or like peripheral first team, and now uh-huh. he's gotten a goal for himself. Can we, do you mind if we talk a little bit about our media experience? Sure. Uh, you know, we're not. We, I mean, we are media. We have mm. media access semi regularly, but we're not like we're not covering a game every no. weekend kind of media, right? So I, it was a reminder to me 
the man of the match voting, the MVP mm-hmm. voting. Um, just how many people in the media like don't really put a lot of thought into it because you rent a one MVP based mm-hmm. on the vote. They essentially ask all the media for, for a vote. Mm-hmm. I think everyone was like, "Well, he scored the goal, so he's he's MVP." And I I just feel like it's it's a little lazy. I mean, I think again, you've got to remember that this is an all star game, and, yeah. And and it was I I would argue not a very good at least first half of an all star game. They asked us for our votes. What sixty minutes, seventy minutes in into the game? Yeah. So like, like before Jao Felix comes on, before Diego Costa comes before on, before Felix comes on and gets the goal of the game. Yes, and an assist. Exactly. So I think like you've got to kind of remember that and know that it's like a second string athletic team that people aren't as familiar with the mls all-stars none of them were getting mvp so it's sort of come down to like who were the guys who kind of impressed for atleti and it's easy to say the goal scorer in That's this context I mean, it's just too easy yeah but i mean who like you voted for who vitolo right. it was really impressive in the first half because right. i was watching the game and like looking at what was happening you were you talked to jason davis plenty you had you had your moments with of my like, mouth my <laughs> eyes are on the game i i think that this is a a, a an argument that you and I can have and disagree on, but yeah, I, yeah. I think that like there's also an argument that maybe you paid attention to Vitolo because you found him interesting. Other people maybe were focused on other aspects of the game, didn't necessarily focus on the like one playmaker who's a second stringer in the first half. Yeah, yeah. All right, I mean that's, that's mm. I don't disagree with that. And I say this again because yeah. I voted for Urente. I think it's also the case. <laughs> Did you? I think oh yeah, but I but why I think it, why just because he scored the goal? Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean because I I thought it was it was a good goal. I I enjoyed his performance. Uh, like his attacking runs were fine. Everything that you would want from a striker were good. It really just came down to like yeah, nobody really stood out to me in that regard. Certainly not an all star. So yeah, I'll go with the guy who scored a goal because it's an all star game and it doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> That is the big the big secret of the All Star game. Yes. Right? The actual result mm-hmm. and the performance and all that doesn't matter. It's about the the spectacle, right? It's about fireworks before the game. Yes. Kind of, it, that's that kind of game. Many fireworks, including Many one that backfired fireworks. and kind of launched out of the field. I thought we were in trouble for a there second. There were some moments. There were some moments because I don't know what the like the silver reflective aluminum-y things were that they pulled out. Yeah. But there's a decent chance that they were like rayon or something that is very flammable on <laughs> a firework hitting that thing. Suddenly, it's a very different type of display. <laughs> Anything else to say about the All-Star game before we move on to, to listener questions? Yeah. It, it, I think the other thing uh, that's really kind of a big takeaway for me is that I think a lot of the All-Star game, we talked about this with the Cooligans, that it's a lot of sponsors and you're kind of like emphasizing the commercial aspect and, yeah. and it's, it's a, the all-star game sponsored by yeah. target presented by target. presented by target exactly but i think that my, one of my big takeaways a, a sponsor i approve of by the way i actually do you know happily shop at target sure yeah yes it's not uh it's not Herbalife. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> or I, there's no pyramids in target there's not <laughs> maybe there are but um but i think the, the big takeaway for me from the skills competition and from the all-star game is i think a lot of it is geared towards pulling in new fans i really think that really? Be, yeah because all-star games historically like think about the nba all-star game and the dunk contest and the mlb all-star game like i think that's what like i will watch the dunk contest i don't watch okay. like regular nbc or Actually, NBA i'll games. watch the dunk contest i'm not exactly. even a basketball fan but yeah i'll watch yeah that. and yeah. like i'll watch the nhl all-star game just because i i think it will be interesting it's yeah. the best players and i think you can pull in neutrals or people who might be peripherally interested by like oh it's this Spanish team who are very good, and they just signed this young kid with, for a lot of money. Maybe that, but mostly it's these big-name players that you know that you've heard about. You get to watch them. And so the skills competition, we felt like it dragged at times and kind of took a long time to transition. And like even Nani was like, my muscles were cold. Yeah. And yet, for people who watched it at home, it was awesome yeah, because yeah. they kind of cut it and moved it along and added interviews that you could see on the screen. And I think for the All-Star game itself, you had – a couple of different players mic'd up. and Oh, yeah. We didn't really get to experience mm-hmm. that. Apart from seeing Brad Gazan have to... Uh, yeah. Fr- I think, did Walker Zimmerman help him put it back in it, on a corner uh, kick? Because his earpiece fell out. I asked him this. I thought it was Chara. It was not. I forget who it was. It was somebody else uh, helped him put it back in. Okay. I should remember, but I don't. Oh, it was Kamar Lawrence. Kamar Lawrence put ah. it back in is what uh, Gazan <laughs> said. But, like, uh, I think Jonathan Tannenwald tweeted that, like, John Strong... Because they were booing him the whole time because he's Atlanta. It was Orlando. Yeah, yeah. And John Strong asked, like what did you do to these people? And, and he was responded like, I think you know, or something like that. Or, or <laughs> like, like, do you have to ask? But like, so those things I think are really interesting to viewers at home because you're, suddenly you're going to talk to players on the field and you're getting this really interactive experience and like fireworks and everything. And I think it comes across for neutrals as a more exciting event. Not to say it wasn't exciting in person, but just that those little things built for a TV audience, yeah. I think are specifically built for a TV audience. So you have the mindset, and I think I am of the mindset, that um, for All-Star Games, it's good to just embrace the 
non-competitiveness yes. of it mm-hmm. and just go for some novelty have yeah. some weird stuff happen yeah because yeah. like like i i grabbed some audio have three keepers play 30 minutes each. <laughs> yeah there you go poor nick, by the way poor nick romando probably his final ever all-star game because yeah. he's retiring mm-hmm. but he's the one that has to face essentially because atletico halfway mm-hmm. through the second half pretty much when romando comes yep. in they subbed in their entire first 11 like, here comes diego costa and coke and mm-hmm. felix and saul and the whole crew I mean, is coming. it was literally their first 11 like yano block yeah. comes in and like it, yeah. like yeah. I think it went on master, right? It was almost the whole team. Game. I think like one time he like chested it down and dribbled past somebody. Another time he like cut past Chris Wondolowski. It was a like, oh yeah, these guys are uh, maybe next level, <laughs> slightly next level. Uh, yeah, but like I grabbed some audio uh, talking to Paxton Pomacall afterwards. Okay. Maybe we'll have that on a show at some point. We'll All see. Right. Uh, certainly not this one. Time is of the uh, of the essence. But I would say, like, I asked him sort of, like, tactical. The thing that you spotted about how he kept finding pockets of space that we always really enjoy. I asked him about, like, how he does that. Is that a thing he's coached to do? Well, I want to hit the studio now. We will. But I I do think that it was a sort of, like, it took him a second. And I don't think it's because it was a particularly difficult question. But I think a lot of the other questions were, like, how does it feel to play in an All-Star game? Was it fun playing against it? Like, again, embracing. I don't think I did a very good job of embracing the relaxed relaxed atmosphere of an All-Star game. We're nerds, right? There is that. Yes, yes. I did ask Guzan about the earpiece as well, uh, and I loved his response of, like, nah, it wasn't really a big deal. Uh, and then when Charlie Bohm, I think, asked him, like, if he thinks uh, it'll, it'll persist, I think his answer was, if there's a way that they can make money off of it, it will definitely persist. <laughs> so I expect that to be sponsored at the next All-Star Game. Beats by Dre. Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. Final thing I want to talk about, mm-hmm. unless you've got anything else, P.T. Martinez. Oh his his nightmare 2019 continued when he subbed in in the mm. second half. He had three chances and he scored three points on all of them. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think from our angle he did, he may have put it wide of the goal and over as well. So oh, maybe wow. he didn't even get the three points. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was... it was Missed field goal attempt from Pitti Martinez. Yes. And it was, it was not a very great performance from a player who has had uh, an up and down traumatic sort of season, yeah. I think. And it really, it, it was interesting to see the two narratives because Orlando-based reporters were sort of like, this is who you spent your money on? Like, this guy, he's got to mature. He's got to get better if he wants to go. I saw that from a lot of, like, neutrals online as well. Yeah. Contrasting that with uh, Atlanta reporters, Atlanta fans, who I think were a bit more like, this is, like, a uh, an extension of the kind of funk that he's in from the situation with the team, and he kind of couldn't get in rhythm. He talked about that after the game as well, about how, like, yeah, it just, like... It just kind of wouldn't come off. He kind of said it. Uh, my Spanish is not very good, but it was. It wasn't a dejected answer. It was just more of a like, yeah, man, I don't know. Like it just wasn't happening. Like, and I think he. I think he wanted it. I think he really wanted to get a goal and to kind of yeah, like. Yeah, his first All Star game, right? Yeah, it's probably his first experience of this whole thing. Yeah, but like I think also like more. Yes, that's definitely true. But it's also like you're surrounded by. Like, you know, stars to one degree or another uh, when it comes to Major League Soccer. And then you're playing against Atleti, and that's a team that you know. And if you're, like, an up-and-coming South American who has visions of playing in Europe, you probably want to do something and to, yeah, you know, shank three that's shots. The, the type of team you would probably like to sign for. Yes, yeah. yes. So that was the downer for Atlanta fans. Mm-hmm. My final takeaway was, I, I tweeted about this, but uh, LGP... Uh, I, I did get to talk to him a little bit as well after the game. Uh, and I, want, I wanted to ask about Diego Costa because Costa comes in and he did all the Diego Costa things we, we know and love. There's battling, there's shoving, there's a scratch on uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger. He had a big scratch right. on his chest that I'm not sure if that came from Diego Costa. He, but went, I, he went down for a couple of penalty appeals. He did. Uh, but he gets into it with LGP. At one point, LGP ends up getting the ball. Yeah. And like I, it didn't seem like they were, uh, you know the best of friends on the field, it cemented everything we've heard about Diego Costa, which is that, uh, first of all, LG, LGP emphasized, I got the ball, so that was the important thing. But then he, like, the under, like, from under the chair he was sitting in, he, like, pulled up Costa's jersey, that they, like, swapped jerseys after the game. He said he was, like, he, I think he called him a sweetheart. Like, he said he's very sweet, he's a very nice guy, and it was, like, I've heard honor. that, I've heard off yeah. the field, he's a very, very nice man. Yeah, and yeah. I think as soon as the game goes, he switches back into, like, hey, man, how you doing? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about all the stuff I did. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But for LGP, never played in Europe, mm-hmm. probably hasn't. Probably. I don't know, has ambitions to go there at some point. It's a nice little test, right? To see LGP versus Diego Costa and to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, he can he can handle that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Ooh. It it also was my final final thing. Uh it was a I believe you. It was a it was a sad reminder of like the close knit nature of the Mexican national team that uh Hector Herrera was in the locker room like talking to uh Jonathan DeSantos and uh, yeah. Carlos Vela after the game, and they were all just like laughing and chatting and kind of ignoring reporters in order to just like do their own thing. But it did make me wonder, like, 
are like are are you guys a national team players? Are they like going out of their way to go into the other locker room and like hang out for a bit after a game? I hope so. Maybe. But it was just sort of like it, it, I know for sure that those three guys were, and I guess that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of like. Oh, is this why? Is this why you all are so good? Because you're all friends and you like each other? <laughs> I see. I see what's happening here. All right. Do you have any final, 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 final thoughts? On uh, the I do not. All, game? all right. Before we talk listener questions, today's show is sponsored by Manscaped, the number one men's below the belt grooming tool. <laughs> it is. And I would say uh, we got a number of different Manscaped products uh, sent to us. There is. I, I have to try to kind of like... Beat, beat around the bush on this one, not literally, uh, because I am a sort of like, I am a more private person than, than, than these ads might indicate. So <laughs> it's why I get un- uncomfortable even having these conversations. But I would say they sent us a sort of like, like, like deodorant uh, for y- your downstairs parts, yeah. <laughs> um, which has come in handy in Orlando because it's been hot and humid and it is uh, oppressive at times uh-huh. and having a product that is designed to keep things from like being sticky and sweaty and gross yep. is a very welcome relief. So what is, what's, it's called a deodorant? It, it's called a like like crop revitalizer or something like I that. I see, yes. I see, I see. The crop preserver, according to the copy I have. There we here. go. The there we go. Anti-chafing deodorant <laughs> for down there, for down there, for down there. So Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Because apart from the uh, the deodorant that we talked about, the uh, the crop preserver. There is the, the, the trimmer, I guess you would call it. The lawnmower, right? The lawnmower 2.0. The, the lawnmower 2.0. Yeah. Daryl, you, you do not have one of those, right? No, they sent us one yeah. and asked us to try it and talk about it. And we're and like, you know, you know there's two of us, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think <laughs> the only solution is uh, next time we're with the Cooligans, we'll have Alexis use it on you. Does that work? And then we can see... We'll see if it works. And I think he'd probably be down for that one. I think it'd be a fun, like, they're all about the, like, Instagram live stuff, so we could film it as well. What more could we ask for? Lovely. So it doesn't sound like you're so excited about that possibility. Uh, But one thing that I think is worth remembering, uh, as they note here, uh, you don't use the same trimmer on your face as you do for your downstairs parts, because that's just nasty. You shouldn't. At the very least, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. But then you end up, like, what ends up happening? Very few people are going out and buying, like, a brand new face, like, beard trimmer to then use uh, on their like like downstairs area is what we're gonna keep calling it their bathing suit parts um, but like and so you end up using basically your old trimmer is most most often what happens and then you're using the thing oh, that's you send like, the reserves in yeah exactly but then the, you're like the first half Atletico team see exactly but then you're using the ones that are like unproven or sort of erratic or old and beaten up you don't want that but like with the Manscaped one it's just like it's a nice it's a compact little thing yeah. it's easy to travel with if you need to but it's a nice new thing that like doesn't snag doesn't have it cause any problems it's nice and easy simple to use also you mm-hmm. get 20 percent off and free shipping if you use the code tss mm-hmm. at manscaped.com that's t 20 percent off free shipping at manscaped.com with the code tss that's right so once again you can get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code tss at manscaped.com the link will be in the show notes so says daryl we'll o- see also in the show notes will be the, the link you can click uh, to ask us listener questions. Ooh, we've got, we've got listener questions, do we? We do. We actually have loads. We're going to sort of randomly select listener questions from, from right in front of what us. What could here. go wrong? Um, I'm going to make it easy and just go the first one on the list. Here. That makes sense. It's from Alexander King. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexander asks, where did the term soccer come from? And I've got to be honest. I, I, I don't have an answer for this one. I really don't. It's, I think what I would recommend is that Alexander go out and like find a podcast that yeah. explains... Like terms and core concepts of soccer yeah, yeah. in a succinct but still entertaining and funny sort yeah, of way. Yeah, some sort of recently released uh, fresh podcast from experienced podcasters <laughs> that really gets into details on stuff like this. We are, of course, talking about our new show, Soccer 101. Soccer mm. 101, we've got to say thank you to everybody who helped us with the yes. launch. We rocketed up the iTunes charts. We were somewhat briefly... <laughs> Yes. Top 50 yeah. in all podcasts. We were number 47 for a nice little while. In your right? face, Ira Glass. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we did. We were above we Ira Glass. Briefly. We knocked him off? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a slightly less... I'm not sure it's long enough for him to notice, but we didn't. No. <laughs> it's a slightly less frightening uh, competitor than when we were trying to knock off the Stone Cold podcast yeah, yeah. in 2014, I believe yeah, I it was. The vengeance would be less savage from you, Ira Glass. Uh, you never know. I feel like maybe he has that <laughs> quiet rage that can come out and he ends up uh, committing atrocities. But yes, to answer Alexander's question, we do go in more in depth on Soccer 101 on this question on many other kind of core concepts yeah, yeah. core topics we are uh, going to give Alexander at least the brief answer here right yeah, yeah. The, the, the brief answer is football association football 
That's the kind of technical terminology for it. Association, the abbreviation comes from that. Soccer, S-O-C, yep. that's where it comes the, from. The middle syllable, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, soccer. And, so, and then the slightly longer explanation, there's also rugby football. That's yeah. why there's association football and rugby football. Mm-hmm. You know, rugby, like we play over there. Um, there was rugger and soccer. Yeah, that's and I it. think, and that's the thing that we talk about in 101. The final point I'll say on this one is just that, like, we didn't just make up soccer here in the United States. That's not yeah, just yeah. that we were like, oh, we're going to be different. It comes, it was what it was called yeah, at yeah. one point in England. So if anything, we're just the traditionalist hipsters who care about the core <laughs> of the beauty of the sport. We care that's, about the spirit of the game, Daryl. That's definitely You it. just care about football. And obviously, if you go listen to Soccer 101, our new show, which we really hope you will support, um, I think... Most TSS listeners have gone mm-hmm. and listened to it based on the download numbers, but some of you haven't. We know who you are. Please go and listen to Soccer 101. We get, into it, we get into a lot more detail on this question. We'll even find out why football is called football if you go listen to that show. <laughs> we, it's we, not why you think. It's not. It's not at all. Um, here's the problem with doing a show in which we talk about like international players and coaches and teams is that I then take that to my pronunciation of names because I was about to pronounce our next uh, listener questioner, Yed Vorhoff. Because I was like, oh, it's probably a Dutch name. It's Jed. It's Jed. It's Jed Vorhoff. He might be Dutch. (laughs) Uh, Jed asks, what's the benefit of having two transfer windows as opposed to just one transfer deadline like with other sports? So other sports have one, like American sports have one like trade deadline? Yes, I believe so. Okay. And then just if anyone really needs the basics on this in Europe, Mm -hmm. uh, there's the summer transfer window, which we're in the middle of right now, which will close usually like end of August, right? Mm-hmm. Like early September. And then there's the winter transfer window, the January transfer window where you can make transfers throughout January. Outside of that, you cannot. So mm-hmm. the question is, what's the benefit? The benefit is if you get it wrong in the summer for the start of the season, January is your chance to make amends. Right? Yeah, but yes, but I think what Jed is maybe getting at is the idea that like if you have a whole half of a season, because that's usually what it is. It's like not, not even necessarily half, but you're, like the wind, like you can make trades up until a certain point, like midway-ish through the season. So if you've made a mistake in the summer, you can correct it a month into the season as opposed to like, oh, the window's closed and now we've got to deal with that until January. And in January, we only have one month. I think his question is maybe getting at like, why don't they have just a four-month period, half of the season where you yeah. can sign players and then that's it for the rest of the time. So my guess like for the, like, the, the history of why it happened mm-hmm. is there used to be no transfer window. Yeah. It used to be just open all the time. Yep. You could just sign players anytime mm-hmm. you liked and honestly it was kind of exciting yeah. I remember being in high school um, and Andy Cole was the big star for Newcastle United scoring a load of goals uh, and you know Newcastle were like challenging Manchester United's mm-hmm. uh, dominance and we just someone went home and like went on a we used to have a thing called teletext did you ever get that it was mm-hmm. like a like literally like text news pages that would be on your TV one of our friends went home for lunch which most people don't at high school obviously right and found out by looking at teletext that Andy Cole had gone to Manchester United for 7 million pounds wow. Plus Keith Gillespie, I think. Um, but there's this crazy thing. We're just in the middle of the season. They give away Gillespie? <laughs> in the middle of the season, just random transfers could happen. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it, comes from a, it comes from a place where transfers used to happen all the time. So I think when they started to impose uh, essentially the opposite of windows, windows mm-hmm. of no transfers, they had to at least make, give them an opportunity to reinforce midseason. Because yeah. teams were used to reinforcing midseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, that's I, why. But yes, it, it is. But I think then also like why you only want specific periods. One, like basically before the season starts roughly, and then one like corresponding with like a winter break midpoint sort of time is I think that you, you can't then... Uh, undermine an opponent. If you're in a title race and you're Man City, say like in, in a if we like combine worlds and there's like a Man City Leicester title race, there's an argument to be made that if like if you, if Man City had gone out and signed Jamie Vardy or N'Golo Kante that season, yeah. Do Leicester have the rest of the season that they had? Probably not. No, I mean, this is what used to happen. I'm the, yeah. Literally, I'm talking about Man United yeah. and Andy Cole. The same thing happened when Aston Villa were doing really well mm-hmm. in like what would it be, like, 98? Yeah. Alex Ferguson just went, all right, well, we'll just buy Dwight York. How exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, and if you're Leicester, like, yes, you might try to hold on to your players, but if you sign N'Golo Conte for not much money, as they did, and then Man City offer you 80 million pounds, winning the Premier League is probably worth 80 million pounds or 100 million pounds yeah. for Man City, and for Leicester, like, not winning the Premier League but still getting 100 million pounds is worth it. And so I think, like, you can have big teams undermine that way, but you can also have big teams then just constantly strengthen. If... You know, how many times do we talk about, like, oh, Tottenham are in an injury crisis, or Man City are struggling because they don't have a Fernandinho replacement. But if you're able to just go out and sign a replacement the next day, 
like you're never really going to have to deal with injuries. It just kind of allows you to constantly reinforce and spend monies and basically pill for smaller teams who can't compete financially. And then, to, so bigger picture for Jed's question, like mm-hmm. I, I mentioned, like this happened, I think historically because you used to be able to reinforce all the time, so they wanted to give them that mid-season opportunity to reinforce. Yeah. With American sports, can I assume that when the leagues were set up? They were just already set up like from the very start with, mm. okay, and the trade deadline is here. I, I believe so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's evolved over time, as have all sports. But yes, I think they all kind of, similar to why Major League Soccer mimics the all-star game format. Yeah, I think they all set up with a similar structure, yeah. generally speaking. All right. I think we should answer one more listener question before okay. the next ad break. What you got? And I would like to answer Ryan Downey's question. Mm-hmm. Ryan Downey asks, would you rather manage a top club team or a top international team and why? It's, 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 it is a more difficult question than I expected. Because, <laughs> because it's a good the, question. I love this question. There, I think it is probably a... I think it's fair to say it is significantly less stressful to manage an international team than a club team. Depends which one the, and how, and how yeah. things are going. The problem, though, is that... As <laughs> Try being an England manager that's not doing well. Very true. The problem, <laughs> but that gets to my point, though, is like you're... Like, basically, I used to be jealous of like, man, being a national team manager would be great. You work like... Two months out of the year and the rest of the time, you're just traveling around the world watching soccer to see if your players are doing well in the like, far-flung areas that they're operating in. But then you, have, then you have to bring those players together from far-flung corners of the world and bring them together and get them playing a system and get them all on the same page and bring together a bunch of disparate personalities to operate as a team in a month or two weeks or one week. And yeah. that's a big challenge, and it requires a certain type of disposition and personality and an ability to communicate. And if you're a perfectionist who wants everybody to play a certain way, you literally can't do that. And so I think it would be like potentially more fun to be a national team manager because of all the things you get to do outside of coaching. But it would be incredibly stressful, and especially if it doesn't go well. Whereas as a club manager... You have the kind of ability to day-to-day like get to know your players and you know what their quirks are and what they like and what they don't like and who likes who and how to keep those two apart and how to keep those two together and how to get everybody playing the same system. And you have so much more time to be able to do that that like then it's time, still, time with the players. Time with the players, yeah. time with the club, time you know working on tactics, yeah, all that type of thing. I think in the end, I'd probably still want to be an international manager just because... <laughs> just make the case for club manager and then say, do you want to be an international manager? Yeah, but, I, I, but because I think what it comes down to, it, I want to, it'd be more fun to be able to manage at a World Cup. I think that would be... <laughs> oh, so the, pri- the, the ultimate prize is much, much bigger. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, never, I've been to the World Cup in 94. That's it. Like, yeah. I, went to, I think I went to one game then. Yes. You're the Bulgaria coach, right? Yeah, it didn't go well. It didn't go well. <laughs> but no, I, like, I, I, would, I would like to go to that because of... The, I want to go to another World Cup, maybe not the next one, because of the spectacle of it. And the idea of managing and that feeling of like you're leading your country to victory or not, yeah, yeah. potentially, that, that would be... It's a very alluring, intoxicating idea, even if it means having to go coach in like after, I don't know, a torrential downpour in Honduras. I'm all in on international mm-hmm. management. I okay. think it would, I would, it would be glorious. I would absolutely love it. And honestly, too, some of the reasons you described like in favor of club management mm-hmm. are the reasons I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't like to have to go to the same training ground every day at 8 a.m. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. I like the idea of there's only one, that one or two games. That does not surprise me. Yeah, you know I don't like a routine. No, right? you don't. Yeah, so, so I love the idea of... I also like the idea of there's, there's what, a couple games every month or two and you have a long build-up to it and you can put a lot of thought into it. And in the meantime, you can travel around and say, if I'm the US coach, now I'm thinking... Oh, I should book some tickets to Amsterdam. Go take a look at Sergino Dest. You know what I'm saying? You get to travel around a lot more. Um, and I love, it. partly this yeah. is, and I'm really imagining this as if I was a professional You just blown the doors off of something for me, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, but I, I don't want to interrupt you. So I want uh, you okay. to keep talking about Sergino Dest for a um, moment. Like, you know, I, um, I've done a little bit of coaching mm-hmm. with you. I, I much more enjoy, I, I enjoy coaching, yeah. but I much more enjoy watching and analyzing, which mm-hmm. is a lot of what we do on the Total Soccer Show. And that's yeah. a lot of what international managers do, right? I always am fascinated when I see, say, Gareth Southgate mm-hmm. going to watch Leicester versus Burnley because he's there to see a specific player. And I love the idea of him thinking, okay, I'm watching this, I'm analysing this. I'm thinking about, like, what does this player do for me? You okay. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what, what does Harry Maguire do for me? Yeah. Uh, so I would love the idea of going and doing that all yeah. the time. Yeah. But I think, so I agree. So we're on the same page then. Yeah. And, and the idea of preparing for one opponent, right? If you've got a big game coming up against Mexico, yeah. I love that I would have, like, three weeks to watch Mexico tape and really mm-hmm. think about Mexico instead of just game on top of game on top of game and it just keeps coming and we're playing Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, yeah. Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday and oh no, everyone's tired. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I would find that sort of, uh, it would wear me down essentially. I, honestly, I think what would wear you down more and this is what you kind of said that blew my mind is 
the all the stuff that coaches have to do now that we hear about coaches getting like annoyed about and and like it, press it, conference stuff or? no like like preseason tours of like North America and oh. Australia like that exact see the face you just made like <laughs> yeah. it's it's the face you would make is that if Total Soccer Show had corporate sponsors that required you to be at a meeting at eight a.m. like here at All Star yeah. you would you would. Listeners, I'm, I'm saying like Daryl specifically. I would not like it. Daryl would hate that because being told to be in a Why place. Why did you sign that deal with Double Life? Exactly. <laughs> being like being told to be in a place to do a corporate thing that requires you to be a little bit phony is not a thing that you want to do. Uh-huh. And I think about if you're a, if you're a Premier League manager, if you're a manager of a, a big club like 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 Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And now instead of getting like, to, Ed Woodward's making you do it. Exa- exactly. That's yeah. the thing is like instead of getting to coach your team and run practice and do training, you are used to having basically the complete autonomy. Yes, you have to answer to the board. That's pretty much it. And even yeah. then, a lot of times, you kind of don't. But now, all of a sudden, you have to go like sit with the CEO of Chevrolet and talk about how important that partnership is. And yeah, or yeah. probably not even the CEO. You're like with like a vice president somewhere down yeah. the line. Like, VP of branding. It would be really obnoxious and annoying. And you'd be like, no, I have other things to do. Yeah. I don't want to talk about tires. <laughs> Got to sign a defensive midfielder. Exactly. We need to bid 400 million for Harry Maguire. <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about <laughs> I would, other... I would be pulling my hair out. There we are. There we are. I see what you did there. <laughs> I appreciate you getting us away from Man United making stupid signings uh, to talk instead about a useful product. Hims, a wellness brand for men. 4 is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Uh, this We are talking today specifically mm. um, about men losing their hair. Mm. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, more so if they're having to go to corporate sponsor events. <laughs> this is true. I did notice a few players uh, at the All-Star Game suddenly had shaved heads and, yeah. I, and I always wonder when you go the abrupt is that a Florida thing maybe they landed here and were like whoa or is it <laughs> or is it a like uh oh things are getting thin back there I'm shaving it before it becomes vis- <laughs> like noticeable what's Ladero hiding exactly but if you don't want to have to hide anything if you don't want to shave your head or put on a baseball cap you can use for hims because they connect you with real doctors medical grade solutions to treat hair loss and provide well known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair no snake oil mm-hmm. like don't be squeezing don't, a snake don't yeah don't let the snake bite you on the top of the head yeah, that's, that's not gonna work that's not a solution you'll end up in more trouble than just having thinning hair and like i don't even know does snake oil come from like wringing out a snake it, yeah you it just seems... squeeze it you okay. squeeze it real hard okay yeah, cool. you squeeze it real hard so don't do that don't be squeezing it's snakes. Like a wet sock don't be buying things from the uh, gas station counter uh-uh. uh, instead get prescription excuse me prescription solutions backed by science mm-hmm. uh, all you have to do is answer a few quick questions a doctor will review and can prescribe uh, uh, treatment for you so you can stop worrying about sunblock on that spot of thinning hair or shaving it but now you're in like the Florida sun and now you really do have to worry about you know the, the sunburn uh-huh. coming through on the top of the dome instead you can and get snakes are there snakes in Florida uh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, there are. Um, so yes, you don't have to worry about snakes or snake oil. Don't squeeze oil alligators as well. Don't squeeze alligators. Don't do that. Instead, go to Hims, <laughs> and our listeners can get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details and for safety information. I assume the safety information will be like, don't squeeze dangerous animals. Correct. Um, this would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy, but go to 4hims.com slash totalsucker. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash totalsucker. One more time, Tyler. Forhims.com slash Total Soccer. That's where you go. The link will be in the show notes. Thank you to Hims for sponsoring today's show. I concur. <laughs> I also would like to get back to listener questions. Yeah, go for it. I'm going to go to Ezra Tyler, who asks, what advice do you have for someone trying to start a new female soccer podcast focusing on the NWSL? What content should I have, and who should I target as my audience? First Ooh. of all, I would like to thank Ezra for actually asking a question as the first sentence of the question, because so often... <laughs> Often when we do Score. this, we're like, Ezra asks, and then we read a couple statements, yeah. and it's like, oh, well, okay, okay, he said that, now he's asking, and then it becomes <laughs> weird semantics. So what advice do we have for someone trying to start mm. a new, basically a soccer podcast focused on the NWSL? I mean, I honestly, I can only answer in terms of what I would like to yep. listen to. Mm-hmm. I would love some tactical breakdowns of NWSL stuff. I, I would love someone to tell me what happened in a game, what tactical changes were made, who did what and why. Yes, that, that would be useful. Here's what I would say about that, though. I I would encourage Ezra to... This is a thing that you and I have experienced many times. Sometimes we fall victim to it ourselves, is... 
you have you can have the best laid plans of like I'm going to do a weekly review of every single game that happened, and I'm going to talk about the tactics, and I'm going to talk about who did what and what the standout players were, and that's amazing, and that would be a very useful product. It's a lot of work, and you're watching a lot of games, and, yeah, you have, yeah. and it's really easy. You're turning to Matt Doyle, yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> I mean, that's honestly that that would be wonderful. Matt Doyle, yeah, yeah. gets gets paid to talk about soccer. That is great, and you might have that expectation, but the reality is. You're going to do that for like a week or two, and then you're going to be like, I'm going to change the format. I'm going to talk about one game a week. Oh, that's a lot. I'm going to talk about like the individual highlight moments. And so I say all that to say not to be like to dissuade uh, Ezra from doing this, but to say that I think really spend some time thinking about what format is easiest or is the, a thing it's that doable, you want to do yeah. that, will get, that you will have the drive to do. Because if you start out doing a weekly review show and then three weeks in you change to like, I'm going to do a player spotlight – You've kind of changed the structure of the show yeah. so much so that, like, if you have people who are in on the first thing, maybe they're not in on the second. And if you keep changing and then you change the schedule, well, we've we've changed over time, right? Mm-hmm. We've tweaked our show as we go. Tweaked, and I think it's yeah. important to like make little improvements as you go yeah. to to make things better. But well, yeah. I guess I'm sort of answering. I'm not, I'm not saying like you can never change. Yeah, I'm, answer, I'm answering the question I was about to ask, really, which is like small tweaks are good, like mm-hmm. little improvements, but not like wholesale changes no, each week. <laughs> but I guess what I'm getting at is, I think if you start off by doing this this grandiose project project what i mean look how many podcasts do we talk about are like oh that's an interesting one and then you go to click on it and it's like last updated 2016 last updated 2015 <laughs> yeah. like it, that's what happens is you get really excited about it it's it's way more work than people expect for yeah, right, yeah. way less reward than people expect yeah. i always go with like the simpsons family guy analogy of like the whole town is listening and now everyone knows it's not how it works uh-huh. 20 people are listening maybe <laughs> uh, and so like I think it, the thing that is most manageable or most reflects your passion, Ezra, is the thing you should do. If you love tactics, then I would say pick a game a week and do the, like, analyze the tactics on that one. If you like the highlight moments or the kind of drama of the game, then do like, a, like, like the top 10 moments in NWSL this week. But I think it's the thing that you most want to do you're then going to be doing the thing you want to be doing, which is what people want to hear anyway. All right, so let's get a little creative then and think about what would be like good little formats for an NWSL show. And like the first thing that comes to my head is, and, and, is, and is very doable, right? And not like watching every game and doing a tactical analysis of every game that happens that week for all the teams. Um, something like the top five goals in NWSL this yeah. weekend is something where you could, you'd have to invest time in watching those goals, yeah. right? And really being able to, Say something um, insightful about them. Find something in watching those goals that other people who've only like mm-hmm. quickly seen them on Twitter or not seen them at all haven't seen. Find something insightful by go like the thing we do where you go back a minute mm-hmm. or two and watch the build up to the goal. You'll have something to say about it. And and you sell it. You can you know you can rewatch it on Yahoo and all that and uh, ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could do that with the top five goals, I think you would have some content there that is accessible for people who haven't even watched the games because mm-hmm. you can just have links to the goals in the show notes people could watch the goals and then hear your analysis of them and that's really also good it's good exposure for the league right mm-hmm. that they get someone doing that so that i think if i had to come up with like a a pitch for an nwsl show for someone to do that's what i would do and then i'd add to that sorry i know i'm talking a long time here but i think nwsl it would be easy. i think you began this by saying let's come up with some ideas and then I believe <laughs> you've just solidified the idea oh, my, my, my second idea is also do some occasional player interviews because I think NWSL is accessible, right? You mm-hmm. will have access to players if you contact clubs. They're, they're not these giant, like NWSL teams are not these giant like Juventus-style organizations where mm-hmm. you, you can't just like call up and say, hey, can I, can I talk to Dybala? Yeah. Right? But you can, you can get an NWSL player in an interview and then, then you've got to just hone your interview technique. But that, that would do well. So that's what, I want to focus on that for a moment though. Because this is, yeah, again, this is my advice, not necessarily just to Ezra, but anybody starting a podcast, anybody who's going to do a thing where I'm going to interview players. It is very, my biggest advice, it took me a really long time to learn this, and I'm still learning it, I'm still not great at it, is like know what you want to know, as in you specifically. What is appealing to you? Because I think when I first started- Like doing, in the interview, like what you want to find out from yeah, it? Yeah, because like I think when I first started doing player interviews, I would be like slightly overawed at times, but then other times it was just like, uh, I don't know what to say. What do you think of the game? And then like, like if, if you aren't asking engaging questions that show that you care and show yeah. that you really want to know what's going on, the person you're talking to knows that. And imagine just a normal conversation where I'm like, so Dara, how was your day? And you're like, uh, it was good. Day was good. <laughs> oh yeah? yeah n- nice day? Yeah, it was a good like, day. Dude, I spent every second with you. You know how much I was. But like, yeah, <laughs> true. Very true. But like, it's just like, like, imagine that sort of boring conversation that we've all had before where it's like, yeah. what, like, where are we going with this? And now imagine being the player 
who also feels the pressure to like perform and like you're not really helping because yeah, most so. players want to help you out and want to yeah. give you good content and want to you know mm. they want to like and they want to have a, a friendly fun converse yeah exactly yeah. so yeah. like i think going and knowing like i really want to ask rose lavelle about like this thing she did in this game or about like like you know how like what she's been doing this season in terms of like cementing her role for the spirit or whatever like those are all good but just sort of going back to like career highlights and, or like doing the Chris Farley like remember that time you scored that goal that was great it was such a good goal what went through your mind when you scored that goal I hate that question yeah. um, so like I, I think like having questions that you yourself want to know is, like assume that maybe other people want to know those answers as well yeah and don't just assume that like getting someone on the show nope. is the end goal mm-hmm. like oh I've got Carly, Carly Lloyd on the show on the show great then you gotta remember people may be drawn in by your Carly Lloyd interview mm-hmm. But then they will judge you based on the quality of that Carly Lloyd interview. Yeah. So just just the get is not enough, right? It's what yeah. you do with it that counts. Because, like, I want to stress this. I agree entirely. And I want to stress that, like, imagine for a second removing this, the question about NWSL or, like, player interviews. Just imagine, Daryl, that I said to you, like, hey, later on, a person you don't know is going to call you. It's going to be a 15-minute conversation, maybe 20 minutes. It's going to be about, like, you know, what you've done as a podcaster. Oh, and it's recorded and people might listen to it. Like, that doesn't sound fun. That sounds like, wait, a stranger's calling me and I have to talk to them? And, or like, and that's you as a podcaster. If, if you work in, a, like, I don't know, an office job and someone's like, if you're in HR and some, like, yeah, a stranger's going to call you and talk to you for 10 minutes about HR, you're like, okay, okay I guess. Like, it, it, it's that. They said what, I could keep the stapler. <laughs> but that's what it is for a player. Like, you're being asked about your job. And so now imagine if the questions you got, like, from working in an office were like, how was, how was the day today? Good, was coffee good? Did you get the spreadsheets done? Like, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's not what you would want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so know that the players are humans. They're the same. Yep. They don't want to have the same generic conversation. They would like you to ask interesting questions that uh, promote interesting answers. I've just realized, um, in terms of uh, Ezra's question about, like, who should I target? Yeah. Um, obviously, NWSL fans, if you start an NWSL show and it's of decent quality, you will get NWSL fans because they are not starved, but mm-hmm. there's, there's a shortage of content, right? So they'll probably find you and they'll listen. I think the, the bigger picture, like you can't appeal to all soccer fans, uh, but US Women's National Team fans, mm-hmm. right? I think that a key to promoting the NWSL or any NWSL content is the end goal of a lot of those players is to play for the US Women's National Team, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the, it's the big prize, yeah. right? So I would definitely have a feature on the show about like, up-and-coming U.S. Women's National Team players or who's, who on the roster is doing well, that kind of stuff. So definitely have a, uh, a USWNT focus to the NWSL coverage. I agree. Yeah. Any other ideas for Ezra? No, I, I think we've, we've probably... Uh, I've exhausted all of my uh, opinions on this one. Uh, but I would, I would say... I haven't, but it would be annoying if I kept going. <laughs> Even hours of opinions on how to do a podcast. I guess my final thing on that one would be just to say that, yes, the more NWSL content, the better, because it helps uh, keep like, the league uh, in people's minds. It keeps yeah. attention on the league, but it also helps you and me. The more stuff there is for us to know about NWSL. Okay, information we can consume. Ex- exactly. Oh. Uh, I am all about that Oh, one. sorry. I've got two final tips. I mean, one, oh, just oh do it. Do uh-huh. it. Two, get a co-host. Yep. Don't do it on your own because it's really hard to just talk one person into a mic and keep it engaging because yeah. you don't have that bouncing back and forth human interaction. So get a co-host. I would say here, like, I, I guess full disclosure, I consider Jason Davis a friend. I find that incredibly... Like, I don't know how he does that. I think it's really impressive what he does, like, with his oh, show. Oh, well, he has loads of guests, right? But, yeah, there are definitely segments where it's him talking. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a skill, and it's taken him, I imagine it's taken him mm-hmm. many, many years to develop exactly. that muscle and, and work on it. Mm-hmm. Now he's got a big muscle that he can, can flex, yes. but I couldn't do that. A big think. talk muscle. A big talk muscle. Yes. <laughs> All right, yes, yeah, so thank you to Ezra for that question. Thank you to Jason for doing good things. Daryl, should we do one more question? Yeah, how about we answer Tom Holt's question? All right. All right. Tom Holt asks, is Major League Soccer actually Mm -hmm. a detriment to the development of American players? Tom asks this because he suspects that having a safe home league to play in prevents some players from challenging themselves in Europe. Uh, Jordan Morris, for example, chose to stay in the US where he hasn't been forced to become a more complete player oh this is this is a contentious question it is and i think that's where i'd like to start Uh, i i'm not like necessarily like uh, trying to attack tom here but i will say that i think tom reveals his bias a little bit with this question (laughs) alone because if like would you ask that same question about brazil or argentina or mexico Mm -hmm. like i mean it's because i think there's this idea that american players don't go challenge themselves i think jordan morris is the obvious example there are certainly others like, and I think we talk mostly about players coming back to Major League Soccer too early rather than like 
not wanting to leave. Jordan Morris is yeah. really one of the one of the main ones I can think of. Can you think of other times a big name player refused to go abroad? No, not I mean like, the top like of we my always head. talk about Landon Donovan, but we forget that he went and played for three different European teams. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They, they, like they they've done it. But I think that's where this question is rooted: is this idea that like Major League Soccer is kind of holding back U.S. Soccer? Is I think. Like at least a little bit where Tom is coming from when he asks this question. You've got to have, so th- it's not a detriment because it gives the players a place to start. Right, right. It gives you a place to have your formative years, and then you fly the nest and go to Europe. That's mm-hmm. the ideal situation, right? There are always going to be some birds that want to stay in the comfy nest. That's just kind. That's kind of how it works, yeah. right? And. So yeah, maybe it's a detriment to that player's to that player's career, but that doesn't mean MLS is a detriment to the overall development of players just because the occasional player uh, decides that you know they've got a dog and they want to stay in town. Yeah, right. And, and, and also, sorry, I would also double down on the Jordan Morris thing. Mm-hmm. You've got to remember, you, you can say he hasn't become a more complete player. He's also missed an entire year yep. with a horrible, horrible injury. He was really unlucky in that happening. We don't know if he might, de- he might have developed more as a player yeah. if he hadn't missed a year through injury. He might so have. So there's that element He might well. have. But I think there's, for every person that like, doesn't want to go out on a Saturday night because it's more comfortable to stay home and then decides to go out and ends up having a really good night, yeah. there's a person who stays home and has a just fine night. And I think that like the, the <laughs> same... loads a, on Netflix. The same, exactly. The same apply... Well, to some extent. Uh, there, there are other streaming platforms available. I guess, yeah, I subscribe to all of them. Yes. So, yeah. And once the office I'm, is gone... I, honestly, I'm using, Netflix. I'm using Netflix as the generic of staying mm-hmm. in and streaming things. You know how we keep yes. saying, oh, we'll get an Uber, but we're actually pressing the lift button? Yes, exactly. <laughs> True. I'll have a Coke <laughs> when today's I'm ordering show, a Sprite. Today's show is sponsored by neither of those companies, by the way. This is correct. We should, cha- we should, uh, we should change that. But, like, yeah, so I think, I think there are probably examples of a player who was sort of forced into going abroad, not, like, human trafficking-wise, but just sort of, like, it wasn't necessarily what they wanted to do. They were comfortable playing for their local club team, but they went and did it, and there was success. But for every one of those, there's Landon Donovan, who was kind of forced into a situation that didn't really suit him or wasn't the, the right time or the right place. Yeah, yeah, and even Bayern Munich. I think that wasn't the, the best situation. It was, from by all accounts, it was like Jurgen Klinsmann saying, like, that's a guy I want to coach. And yeah. we know now that Jurgen Klinsmann, not the best coach. And mm-hmm. so, like, I think... Not, not the best friend to Landon Donovan, either. Also that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is... There Very is, unhelpful in Donovan's career when you look back. There right? is that sort of narrative, right? That, like, that is what started the souring of that relationship, is that Klinsman was like, Donovan is the guy, oh. and when he wasn't, it was sort of like, I put my reputation on you. Yeah. That didn't come to fruition. Now I don't like you as yeah, much anymore. Yeah, now Philip Lamps has mean things about me. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, and so I say all that just to say that, like, I think, yeah, there's some people who probably won't develop as much as they probably could have. I, I do think Jordan Morris is one of those. Uh, but, okay. but I also think that, like, we're in a weird situation, and it's frustrating, but it is my opinion that the United States is not nearly as deep as I think you and I thought they were, even like a year or two oh, ago. Philosophically? Uh, no, in terms of the player talent, depth. Yeah. Um, and not, not to get into a whole debate about it, I think there's a massive reservoir of youth talent, but we're still a few years from that coming to the surface. But, but my point is that, so like, I think that if we were a bit deeper, Jordan Morris probably doesn't play. Like, oh, I think yeah, he probably yeah. isn't playing for the national team right mm-hmm. now. And I think it's, it's a weird situation of... We oh, so we're worried about him where we wouldn't be if there was more talent. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, I, and, and so I think that like, there's an argument that like, a player who doesn't really want to push themselves and be that like next level performer probably ends up not being that next level performer. Like I think you have to have that drive. I say that for me personally, like I, when I went to college, it is not the same thing. I get that. But like I went to college, I wasn't really into soccer. I kept playing it, but it wasn't like a thing I wanted to do. It was a thing I had to do and it showed. Yeah. Like it was just like, I think it was probably the first time that I wasn't very as, as like better than everybody. And it was sort of a like, what? Hold on now. This isn't as fun. I liked it when I could dribble past everybody. Suddenly this is very challenging. (laughs) And like it's just tracking back nonsense. Yeah, asking me to and do. I think that happens. But it's also why I don't play for the national team is because if yeah. you don't have that motivation to be like, no, I'm beating everybody. It's honestly, it's why Bobby Warshaw I think was a successful pro because Bobby wants to be the best at what he does. Yeah, and you have to have that motivation. And if you even don't, playing pickup, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so I, I think that Major League Soccer. All of that is to say that I think Major League Soccer gives those types of players a like. A way to get their feet wet. Yeah. It's the it's the kiddie pool to get used to. And I don't mean that even like a pejorative or negative way. I just mean it's like a way for people to get their first start. It's, it's yeah. a place for Paxton Pomacall to get a thousand professional minutes playing against seasoned pros yeah. and turn the, turn the heads of people in Europe. Mm-hmm. And then you go to a bigger club if he wants to do that. And if he does, then he pushes himself. And then an even more extreme example for every Jordan Morris who maybe stayed too long or a Michael Bradley who came home too soon. Yep. There are guys like Weston McKenney and Chris Richards 
who go through an yep. MLS infrastructure of a development academy, but don't even set foot in the league. They just yeah. leave straight away, right? Yeah. They go to uh, Schalke or to Bayern Munich, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So overall, I don't... So the answer to Tom's question is no. MLS is not actually a detriment to the development of American players. Because if it didn't exist, there'd be far few players that are even getting developed at all. I agree. Yeah. My final point on this, though, it's, it's a, again, it's a slightly abstract one, but it's a thing that I've thought a lot about and like never had like the opportunity to discuss is this idea that like I think it's worth remembering that like the best way I can explain this is like no one thinks about you as much as you think about you. <laughs> and, 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 I, and so I say that to say like we look at – I want to tell this to everybody at parties. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. It's also worth remembering no one remembers you the way you remember you. Yes. So that when you're like, oh, that time in high school when I was a jerk, I'm sure everyone remembers yeah. it. Think about how often you're remembering stuff from high school and it's rarely like that person spited me. It's always yeah. like, oh, that time I was embarrassing. Uh-huh. No one's remembering you. All that is to say that like <laughs> when we look at U.S. rosters, I think a lot of the time we look at them. Like, say we're going to a World Cup, and of the 23, 12 play in Major League Soccer. And, and I think there's this automatic reaction of, like, ugh, it's 12 MLS guys. Like, ah, that, like, gosh, we're so reliant on MLS. That's so bad. Look at how often other national teams have, like, even Brazil will have, like, four guys playing in Brazil. Spain, Germany, England a little bit different because yeah. they're very good. Like, but, like, Czech and teams. It's, and it's a lot of, like, with Brazil, it's, like, either up-and-comers or guys who are, like, yeah. you know, 32 and decided, hey, I want to go back and after my successful European career. I want to have a last couple of years at yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Czech teams have it. Croatian teams have it. Uh, like Bosnia, Turkey. They, like they, that's a thing. Korea, Japan, they all do this. They have yeah. like a lot of domestic-based players. <laughs> England very much so. Yeah, true. <laughs> but I'm saying there's a difference between those top-tier teams. Yeah, I know. I know but, I know. Like, but like, I think it's worth remembering that like we – but we see that as like, oh, man, all these guys are playing in the Turkish league. But yeah. it's like, yeah, because they're Turkish. Like, Mexico, Mexico, don't worry about it. No, they don't. But like, but I think it's, it's just a thing of like they're doing the same thing but because they're different. It's the gym. Gaffigan joke about like um, he sees a little kid in France speaking French and he's like that kid is a genius <laughs> that, that four year old can speak French and it's like it's a thing where like yeah yeah it's like, it's like flip it around and it's like yeah like oh my gosh they're all playing in like the like the Turkish league it's like yeah they live in Turkey oh they're playing in the Japanese league it's this foreign league it's like yeah they live in Japan like they're <laughs> Japanese like other national teams do that it's just because we live in the United States so we see it as like. Oh, we have too many MLS players. Like, like it's, whereas other countries, I think, are like, oh, man, we've got a bunch of MLS players. That's great. We're doing awesome. <laughs> I think I hear the sound of mm-hmm. housekeeping coming to fine us for overstaying I, I our welcome. I believe you're correct, yes. <laughs> Here in room 417. Mm-hmm. So we should, we should definitely say au revoir and wrap this up. Let's See, do it. I'm as good as a four-year-old. There we go. <laughs> you're so smart. <laughs> so if you want to ask us a question, um, the link is, or the URL is totalsoccershow.com slash questions if you want to listen to a great soccer explainer a whole new show with 10 mm-hmm. episodes please go and find soccer 101 it is available anywhere you get podcasts i know because i spent days making sure it was submitted <laughs> to every possible listing you can find <laughs> i would like to add one more thing about uh, yeah. soccer 101 because i have not said this like publicly i added it to the show notes but if you are interested in if you like the theme music uh if you don't then great be quiet if you like it uh <laughs> <laughs> then uh, you can find more. Uh, it is the artist is Aerialist A A E R I A L I S T. I believe it is. Yep. Uh, there's a Bandcamp page. Uh, it's a friend of mine who I used to work for at a bar in Falls Church in Northern Virginia. Uh, he he's I can we think, share that space bar? I love the space co- bar. Of course you yeah. can. Uh, yeah. Get the tater tots. Larry Hoffman is his name. Uh, Aerialist is his like Bandcamp page, but you can find lots of music there. So shout out to Larry. All right. Yeah. Shout and out. Yeah, shout out to Space Bar. That bar's great. Shout out to Larry and Space Bar, and mm-hmm. shout out to everybody who has listened to soccer 101 if you haven't done so yet please get on the bandwagon all right taylor rockwell thank you for taking the time to talk to me today oh, three more things no i'm good right back at you buddy <laughs> listeners thank you for listening and we will talk to you again soon 